Hi everyone. This week I'm talking about the psychology of money by Morgan Housel. Morgan Housel is a partner at Collaborative Fund and a former columnist at the Motley Fool and the Wall Street Journal. Coming back to the book, this is one of my all-time favorites and it's clearly a title that I've recommended and gifted the most since last year. By the end of this book, I had 25 pages worth of highlighted stuff. I've tried to summarize my key takeaways from the book through my favorite highlighted parts of the book. The premise of this book is that doing well with money has little to do with how smart you are and a lot to do with how you behave. And behavior is hard to teach even to really smart people. Hence the author makes a compelling argument that financial success is not a hard science. It's a soft skill where how you behave is more important than what you know. Call this soft skill the psychology of money. The book starts off with one of the most important aspects that is also often the most ignored when it comes to evaluating outcomes in life. That is the role of luck and risk. The book says that luck and risk are siblings. They're both the reality that every outcome in life is guided by forces other than individual effort. If you give luck and risk their proper respect, you realize that when you're judging people's financial success, both your own and others, it's never as good or as bad as it seems. When it comes to setting financial goals, the book rightly points out that the hardest financial skill is getting the goalposts to stop moving and how it gets dangerous when the taste of having more, more, more money, more power, more prestige increases ambition faster than satisfaction. Social comparison is a problem here, the book says. And the point is that the ceiling of social comparison is so high that virtually no one will ever hit it, which means it's a battle that can never be won. Or that the only way to win is to not fight to begin with, to accept that you might have enough, even if it's less than those around you. The book also explains why long-term planning is harder than it seems because people's goals and desires change over time and we are poor forecasters of our future selves. Talking about the power of compounding, the author explains that you don't need tremendous force to create tremendous results. If something compounds, a small starting base can lead to results so extraordinary they seem to defy logic. Everybody knows that Warren Buffett is a phenomenal investor, but the author reminds us that you miss a key point if you attach all his success to his investing acumen. The real key to his success is that he's been a phenomenal investor for three quarters of a century. Had he started investing in his 30s and retired in his 60s, few people would have ever heard of him. His skill is investing, but the secret is time. Talking about the importance of planning, the author makes a point that important part of every plan is to plan on the plan not going according to the plan. The more you need specific elements of a plan to be true, the more fragile your financial life becomes. The book endorses a view that the highest form of wealth is the ability to wake up every morning and say, I can do whatever I want today. Building this narrative further, the book states that money's greatest intrinsic value is its ability to give you control over your time. And compared to generations prior, control over our time has diminished. 
And since controlling your time is such a key happiness influencer, we shouldn't be surprised that people don't feel much happier even though we are on average richer than ever. There's another key lesson on the difference between wealthy and rich. Wealth is what you don't see. Wealth is financial assets that haven't yet been converted into stuff you see. We should be careful to define the difference between wealthy and rich. The problem for many of us is that it is easy to find rich role models. It's harder to find wealthy ones because by definition, the success is more hidden. The book reminds us that building wealth has little to do with your income or investment returns and a lot to do with your savings rate. And nothing captures this better than this fascinating example in the initial part of the book of Ronald James Reed, a former janitor who in his will left $2 million to his stepkids and more than $6 million to his local hospital and library. It turned out there was no secret. There was no lottery win or no inheritance. Reed saved whatever little he could and invested in blue chip stocks. Then he waited for decades on end as tiny savings compounded into more than $8 million. That's it, from janitor to philanthropist. Stressing the importance of savings, the book says that you can save just for savings sake. And indeed you should, everyone should. Savings without a spending goal gives you the options and flexibility and ability to wait and the opportunity to pounce. It gives you time to think. It lets you change course on your own terms. The book also talks of how academic finance is devoted to finding the mathematically optimal investment strategies. I love the author's theory in this regard that in real world, people do not want the mathematically optimal strategy. They want the strategy that maximizes for how well they sleep at night. So do not aim to be coldly rational when making financial decisions. Aim to just be pretty reasonable. It also warns us against taking financial cues from people playing a different game than you are. Many finance and investment decisions are rooted in watching what other people do and either copying them or betting against them but you don't know why someone behaves like they do. It can be damaging, especially when long-term investors playing one game start taking their cues from those short-term traders playing another. In the end, my favorite part of the book is a letter the author writes for his newborn. It says, some people are born into families that encourage education, others are against it. Some are born into flourishing economies encouraging of entrepreneurship. Others are born into war and destitution. I want you to be successful and I want you to earn it. But realize that not all success is due to hard work and not all poverty is due to laziness. Keep this in mind when judging people, including yourself. Now, isn't that absolutely brilliant? This for me is the greatest takeaway from this book. Be kind when you're judging others as well as when you're judging yourself. If you haven't read it, then hopefully I have convinced you to order this book right away. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to my podcast for more recommendations like this and insightful conversations with India's most enterprising startup founders and brand builders. Happy reading everyone.